So if you would like a Bible to follow along this morning, we have them available at all the four corners of the sanctuary. And our scripture text can be found in 2 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 3 this morning. And we'll be looking at verses 6 through 13. That starts on page 160 in the second set of page numbers in your, if you have one of the green Bibles. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 6. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day, so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we did not have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. This is the word of the Lord. So when we follow the lectionary, I don't really choose what scripture text comes up, and we make it work. And I got there with this one. It started a little rough. I was talking to my mom, and she knew it was Profession of Faith Sunday, and she knew I was really, really excited about that. And I told her what scripture I was preaching from, and she, like, read the title and was just like, whew. I was like, that's why I'm calling you, because we're going to get to a happy place with this passage. But I think anything that starts with the word warning kind of sets off warning bells in my head of like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be a happy text. But what I love about that first title, idleness, warning against idleness, is I feel like the word is really appropriate. And that can be hard to do in English. Because we often miss the connotations of Greek. Like, when you're coming through multiple languages over centuries, you can lose what was originally intended. But I feel like this word, idleness, and the word idle that is used throughout, actually captures this really well. And if we sit with it for a bit, I think it'll help us come to this really beautiful picture So for me, when I hear the word idle, I think of my car. I have three sisters. None of us were super psyched about car maintenance when we were growing up. But my dad did his best to teach us the basics. And one of the things he taught us is that, like, idling is not necessarily great for your car. You have to let it idle in the winter, Because if it's way below freezing and you try to drive off, it'll do bad things. So I expect to see you in the driveway in the cold, letting your car warm up. But if it's sitting for too long, you should probably just turn it off. 
So idling is this very clear picture of one of these lessons with dad. And I have spent many, many winter mornings sitting in my car because once it's turned on, you can't lock it. And in the neighborhood I was living in, you don't leave a running car unlocked if you want to come back to it in five minutes. So I would sit in my car and listen to it idle as it's warming up. And there's this really interesting thing of you hear all of the noises, more so than when you're driving, because you have nothing to do but sit there and pay attention to your car. So you hear all of these different pieces of machinery doing work, but you're not going anywhere. It's often working harder than when you're driving because you can't coast, but you're not making any progress. And that's what Paul is getting at today. And I think when we put that framework on this text, we start to move in a more positive direction. Because growing up in West Michigan, as I did, you have a lot of Calvinists like a lot of Calvinists. And there's this thing called the Calvinist work ethic, which isn't works righteousness. It's not saying that you earn salvation by doing good works, but it's pretty close to saying they go hand in hand. Like, it's just assumed. Like, you're probably not really a true Christian if you're not, like, working really hard, and not just for the church, but, like, in everything. Like, you should be working 24-7 really, really hard, or, like, you should go to the non-Calvinist church down the road. (laughs) While you also have preachers saying works righteousness is bad and, like, salvation is a gift of grace, so that's the confusing mess that I grew up in of, like, I'm supposed to work, but pretend I'm not working, and Sabbath is somewhere in there. Paul is not promoting works righteousness. Salvation is a gift of grace. You will notice these three girls that were up here, we didn't have an interview with them first of, so tell us all of the ways that you are working. How's school going? You getting, I guess you guys don't do A's. Whatever happy grades are here, the top-tier grades in Canada, are you getting those? Are you volunteering? Is every minute of your day focused on God? We didn't do that. We asked them if they understood the grace of Jesus Christ and if they received that gift into their heart. But I don't know if you noticed it. We did all also commit to do work today. If at any point you said, I do or we do, you agreed to do work. The girls agreed to be a part of this church community, to work on spreading the gospel news, to grow, to continue growing in their faith, And to be a part of sharing this church's and the church universal mission, both locally and globally. 
And all of you, as a congregation who supports them, agreed to do the work of praying, encouraging, and supporting these girls. While also hopefully doing the work of growing in your own spiritual life. That is the work that Paul is telling these readers they should be about. We talked a couple weeks ago about the beauty of community and how when you are perhaps lacking, when you're in need, part of the joy of being a part of a Christian community is that others can help support you in that time of need. But what we see here is that some people were just kind of taking advantage of that. Of they were like, great, if you're going to provide food for me, like, why should I work for it? And that's what Paul is saying. Is he's saying, that's not what we want to be about. He's saying, when you truly are brought together as a Christian community, we do love and support one another. We do want to provide for those who are going through difficult times and times of need. But guess what? You also have things to do. And not as a mandate of salvation, but as living out who God created you to be. Because Paul talks elsewhere about how each and every one of the members of the body of Christ is gifted in a unique way. And how each and every one of those gifts is needed to help build God's kingdom. To help us realize the world God wants us to live in. And if out of laziness or whatever gets you to not be working, the community as a whole suffers because they're not receiving your gifts. We heard from these three girls this morning how a lot of their gifts lie in the realm of music. And we have seen them up here this Sunday and other Sundays sharing that gift with us. They are already living into that sense of calling that when you are a part of the community of God, you get to use your gifts. And more than get to, you should. Not to earn salvation, but to support the community as a whole and to be an example to others. I had the great opportunity to meet with our outreach evangelism and missions team last week. And surprisingly, we talked about outreach and evangelism. Um, But more specifically, we talked about how do we do it in a way that is helping without hurting? How do we love people so that they come to know the love of God? We framed our conversation around posture, not our physical posture, because I would fail horribly at that, as I have been told lovingly. (laughs) But our mental, our spiritual, our social posture How do you show up in a space? How do you show up in relationships? It was an article we read by my friend Corey Van Heusen, who was talking about how posture has shaped his ministry. 
And he talked about how if you have the right posture, which is the posture of Jesus Christ, then you don't actually have to do that hard of work in figuring out this evangelism thing. If you have the right posture, the people around you are going to start to become curious about why you are the way you are. And if people aren't curious, you either don't have the right posture or you haven't been in relationship long enough. Because if you have the right posture, then the foregone conclusion is that people are going to wonder why. We as Christians do not live as the rest of the world lives. Reckless love is not the norm. When we truly live as Jesus lived, when we are servant leaders, when we are committed to something higher than ourselves, when we self-sacrifice for community, it stands out. And people want to know, why do you do it? Paul is reminding his readers in Thessalonica, maybe you don't have the right posture. Not doing work, but just kind of mooching off of others, is not the example that Jesus Christ set for us. And it's again not about earning salvation, but it's about when you truly have received the love of God, that changes your heart. And you start to love the rest of creation the same way that God does. And when you love the rest of creation like God does, you see things that are broken. You see things that are undone. And you are compelled to work at fixing them. You're compelled to join God in this reconciliation work. Knowing that we were first reconciled to God through the death of Jesus Christ on a cross. We have the high and holy calling of being continued examples of that love in this world here and now. And it's a big deal. That's why we had this special celebration today. Because while you can accept Jesus at any point, and you can receive assurance of your salvation from the Holy Spirit, when you also say, I am willing to do the work in community that Jesus has placed on my heart, we want to celebrate that. We want to come together as a community and say, Yes, praise God for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. We're going with you. We know it's hard work. We know there are going to be days where you just want to be lazy. And on those days, we're going to be there and in a loving way call you to work. But we're also going to be that community that is there that calls you to Sabbath that calls you to rest. Because the work is first and foremost God's, and he has finished it perfectly in a way that we never could. 
So we need not fret about the things that we can't do. But we celebrate the ways that we have been called to join the work. And about the companionship and the fellowship and the encouragement that we find along the way. As we as brothers and sisters in Christ all do our best to use our gifts to work for Jesus Christ. So let's celebrate together. Let's hear each other on the days that it's hard. Let's receive encouragement in Scripture. And let's rest in all things in the knowledge that our salvation is a gift. And that the Holy Spirit is more than able to give us all the energy, all of the encouragement, all of the giftings we need to do the work that we are called to. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the ways that your Spirit works in our lives, both individually and as a community. Lord, we thank you for the tangible traditions that you have given us to celebrate those workings, Lord. This morning, we especially thank you for the ability to profess our faith, to say that we have received your grace, to say that we as a community want to be about your work. Lord, I pray that as we seek to find our way, that you would help us find healthy balance of work and rest. Help us put Sabbath first, knowing that it is your work and that you have invited us as best we can. Help us not become addicted to work, but focus on the greater good of the community that you have called us to and that you exemplify in yourself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.